0: And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts. How many of them? All of them. Of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You can be seated. Have you ever seen a Gideon Bible? Where'd you see it at? Hotel. Anywhere else? Hospital? Doctor's office. Man, them guys have done some amazing work. Would you agree? A group of businessmen and and like-minded Christians that decided they was going to put the Bible in a lot of public places. Um, there was there was one at the bank one day, and I picked it up, Dave, and I started reading it. But in some of the Gideon Bibles, it opens up in the very beginning and it explains. What the Bible is about. If you've never read this. This is so powerful. It says in the Gideon Bible. It says. This Bible contains the mind of God. The state of man. The way of salvation. The doom of sinners. And the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable meaning unchanging over time. It says, read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Let me say that again. It says, here, paradise is restored, heaven is open, and the gates of hell are closed. Christ is its grand subject, our good, the design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet, read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Wow. If that don't sum up the Bible pretty well, I don't know what does. Um, I was listening to a minister, minister, and and somebody had sent him an article from GQ magazine. And if you don't know what that is, it used to be called Gentleman's Quarterly. started in 1931. And in in, in the magazine, there were some articles in there about what books to read and what books to not read. And um, one of the books that was listed in the not-to-read section was the Bible. And this, this was the, uh, the article. The Holy Bible is rated very highly by all the people who supposedly live by it, but who in actuality have not read it. Those who have read it know that there are some good parts, but overall it is certainly not the finest thing that man has ever produced. It is repetitive, self-contradictory, foolish, and even at times, Ill intention. if you if you if the thing you heard that was good about the Bible was the nasty bits, then I propose that you read this book and he went on to what book you should read. Now let me ask you this when I read that, how did that set with you? First of all, it made me mad. it, it made me mad. But the, first of all I want to point out that he said that it is not the finest thing that man, has ever produced. Hence lies his problem. It wasn't produced by man. It was God breathing his word through men that were moved on by the spirit. Now, we live in an age, Sam, that uh, we, we are called now post-Christian America. Post-Christian America. Um, I don't know if you've watched the news or heard what's getting ready to be released by that judge, but we live in a sick world. Epstein's list is going to be revealed, names. I don't know if you've seen that and if you know anything about it. We live in an extremely sick world. And in this evil time that we live, God has given us something to guide us and direct us. I want to make this clear because as I've studied and prayed throughout the years, God, God told me something one time, spoke it to me, and I'm sure it was him. And I want to share with you, it's this, it doesn't matter our background, it doesn't matter our past, it doesn't matter what side of the tracks that we come from, the Bible works for everybody that will believe it. So you say, well, you don't know what I've been through, or you don't know my past, or you don't know how I've been, I've been this and I've been that and I've been abused and I never, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. The Bible works for those who believe it. Can you say amen? Amen. The word of God does the work of God through the spirit of God to the people of God. Did you copy that? I said the word of God does the work of God through the spirit of God to the people of God. The problem is with the, with the gentleman that wrote the, the article in GQ, the problem with him is he doesn't have the spirit of God. And without the spirit of God, you will never understand the word of God. It's not intellectually uh, discovered. You don't discover God through, uh, through uh, intellect. You discover him through revelation. And God reveals himself through his word. How important is our Bible? It says a lot about us. How important we hold the Bible in our life tells a lot about our walk with God. You can't tell me you love Jesus, but you don't love his word. I have the same problem with people that say, well, you know, I can go to heaven without going to church. My question is, how do you love Jesus and not love his bride? How do you love him and not love his chosen? How do you love him and not love his body of believers? There is no way to love Jesus unless you love the word of God. How can I say that? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. There's no way to love God without loving his word because the word was God. Now what we need to do in our life is put a lot more emphasis on the word of God. I want to share some things to, uh, to you today. Um, and I'm going to have homework for somebody. Volunteer homework. But but I, I want to show you some things that the atheist has came against God's word with. And it becomes extremely interesting. That an atheist, I can remember this very vividly. I, it was a long time ago. Jason, I was in high school and there was a pencil that said, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And I'll never forget this guy picked it up, and he looked at it, and he read it, and this was his comment. Oh, some guy died on the cross for me. That's supposed to make me feel good. You don't get this through intellect. You get this through the spirit. It's why salvation is a work of the spirit. Now, I can set an atheist down, and I can inform him, but it takes the Spirit of God to convict him. Now, God has already revealed himself to everybody. We learned that in Romans. God has all, so there is people in this world that suppress the truth, and then there's others that merely confess the truth. So I don't have to spend a whole lot of time convincing the atheist that there is a God. Why? Because deep down the creator has already revealed himself to him. How do I know? The grace of God hath appeared unto all men. Darren, I believe Romans teaches us that God has already revealed himself to them. The problem is this world does not like to retain God in their knowledge and they know him as God, but they don't worship him as God. So to the contrary, if I know him as God, then I must worship him as God. And I'm going to tell you this, your worship says a lot about your revelation of your God. Because if you don't deem him worthy, you won't worship him. All right, there are some discrepancies in the Bible. You ever read them? You ever ask yourself, have you ever been reading through the Bible and came across something and said, you know what, that, that seems a little bit opposite of what I read a little bit ago. On the surface, you, you have to die. The old man has to die, but yet you have to live. Simple, right? We can sum that up pretty quickly. But I want to read this to you, hence the glasses. This is in small print, and I couldn't make it any bigger. Perhaps the most familiar example... Is between Paul and James. Have you read Paul when he talks about faith? And then you read James when he talks about faith. How many people like Paul's version of faith? Raise your hand. Four of you. How many of you like James's version of faith? Raise your hand. How many of you don't even know what, which, what we're talking about and you'd like to find out? Don't raise your hand. Paul and James on the matter of salvation by faith or works. Paul says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. James says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now, if you are looking in the Bible and you read this, you can say, you know what? This ain't right. It contradicts itself. But when you study Scripture, and if you really want to know truth, you'll find out that they're both talking about the same thing. This flagrant contradiction is easily resolved by application of suggestion. All right, he says, Above, salvation is by faith, but saving faith, is visibly expressed in works. James said, I will show thee my faith by my works. Paul says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. One emphasizes the divine. The other one emphasizes the manifestation in the human. So the truth of it is this. If you got faith, it will produce works. If you don't work, you don't have faith. So when uh, when you look into the scripture and we've got people that try to find these little tiny things and they don't study any deeper, Jason it gets it's it's so scary because I've learned something about these people. I had a man one time, he had been to Bible college. They said, "He's got a question. He's got a question. And if you can answer this question, he'll he'll change his mind about he, he was agnostic. He said, I've been to seminary. He said, I don't know if there's a God or not. He worked on a job with us. They said, wait, preacher, go up there and tell him. Go up there and get him. Go up there and get him. And just so happened one day we're working together, and he said, who'd Cain marry? I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like, did Adam have a belly button? Are we going all the way back to that to try to find something? Who did Cain marry? All right, let me tell you this. Eve was the mother of all living. <laughs> he was the mother of all living right so when you follow the genealogies they never follow the genealogy of the woman they always follow the genealogy of the male so when we follow genealogies we're following Seth and we're following Abel and we're following Cain we're not following any of the sisters So what what had happened was Eve didn't stop when she just had Cain and Abel. So we see that Eve, meaning the mother of all living, I said, he married one of his kinfolk. The problem was back then the gene pool was so pure, hadn't been defiled like it is now. Don't do it now. But back then, everything was okay, and then there came a point when it wasn't okay, listen, it's not okay. I don't care what state you're from. So when we read, and I'm, I'm explaining this to this guy, and he goes, oh, yeah, is that what you think? I said, no, man, that's what I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you, the way this worked, Eve's the mother of all. Living. Did he change his mind? Did he get saved right there on the spot? No, because it wasn't about information. It was about rebellion. When, a, when you show people truth, it's not, you know, they're not looking for truth, they're looking for a way around it. He said I set in Zion a stumbling block and the only way man I feel preachy, the only way that this word becomes a problem is if you're trying to get around it. When you try to get around it, it becomes a stumbling block. But if you're trying to make it to the writer and the author of it, it becomes a stepping stone, a lively stone and it'll get you where you need to go yes. amen goodness thank you jesus so i explained it to him it didn't mean no good It made my buddies you got him preacher you got him you got him no i didn't get him he's still he's still rejecting it he's still suppressing it but you know what i know deep down the god that created him man listen to this i don't care if a person is demon possessed And they're controlled by demons. The very demon inside of them believes in one God and trembles. So you're going to try to tell me if the demon that controls them believes in one God and trembles, there's not an ounce of belief inside of them. All I got to do is get to a place where the spirit can unite with the word and then create an explosion. It's why we need the Holy Ghost. It's why we need to be born again. I'm I'm telling you, Thomas, intellectually, we're not going to win them. But the Spirit can draw them in a moment what we'll never inform them to in a lifetime. This doesn't come by information. It comes through revelation. And it's the Spirit that draws. Every person in this room that is saved, you're saved because the Spirit drew you. Amen. People make me nervous. When I say, when did you get saved? Oh, I've been saved my whole life. No, you have not. You have not been saved your whole life. You were born in sin. You were shaping in iniquity. You were born with Adam's nature. And there come a point where that old nature had to be done away with and a new nature had to come in it Because he said, unless you're born again, you're not going to sit. You wasn't born saved. You got to be born again. And that comes through the word and through the spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Man, I've sat with people and I've talked to them about these things and I've tried to convince them. But it takes the spirit of God. Say that again. It takes the spirit of God. So what we need, we need to be armed with the word of God. And we also need to have the anointing of God on us. Jason, I've I've sat in church and I've heard preachers. And they're excitable. They're loud. They yell in all caps. (laughs) And they say all the right stuff. And absolutely no witness. Has anybody been there? And it's like they're saying all the right things. But there's no witness to it. I got to tell you all this. We was in church church one time. And this preacher was preaching. And I, I just had this feeling. Like, man, I don't know. I don't know. And the guy sitting beside me, he leaned over and he said, I don't trust this guy. He's shifty. I wasn't going to say it, but you said it. You can read it, but without the Spirit, the law is a dead letter. It's a dead letter. But when you speak truth through the power and the anointing of God, things happen. Why would we preach the gospel? Why would we carry the sword if we didn't expect it to work when we gave it? Listen, I had every intent of going up on that mountain, preaching truth to that guy, and him getting saved. Part of the way through it, I said, he's just looking for an out, for a reason to not believe. I'm not looking for a reason not to believe. I'm looking for a reason to increase my faith. And when I read this Bible, and they say it's contradictory, and every contradiction I find out ties back to the author, and there is no contradiction, it builds my faith. Another apparent contradiction that has often been charged against the Bible has to do with God's visibility or invisibility. Has anybody in here seen God? Can you see God? Have you seen God move? You knew it was God without seeing God, right? So you didn't see the wind. But you've seen the effect of the wind. Here's the problem. The atheist says, John 1 and 18, no man hath seen God at any time. Right? First Timothy 6, 16 says, God dwells in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man hath seen nor can see. But we have scriptures like this, the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. Jacob said, I have seen God face to face. Right? Remember those? Does that bother you? It should not bother you. Why shouldn't it bother you? Because God is everywhere. There is no way that a finite man can see all of God. One, he's spirit. God isn't a spirit. God is spirit. Let me make that clear. God is spirit. That's why they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I don't have to see him naturally to worship him spiritually. But when I see him in the spirit, there's nothing in the natural that can convince me that he isn't real. Amen. Amen. There is a theophany. There's a manifestation of God. God chose to reveal himself in different ways, but not in in his fullness. Hmm. Until, until we just came through Christmas, we just celebrated the birth. Let me tell you this. People say, well, I believe that was Jesus in the fiery furnace. No, it wasn't. It was a theophany of God. Why was it not Jesus? Because Jesus wasn't Jesus until he was born of a virgin named Mary. Oh, man, I hope you're getting this. Because when you get this, you'll get something. They say, well, I think that was Jesus standing there with the sword. No, it was not. I think it was Jesus that Abraham. No, it was not. It was a theophany of God. Jesus was born of a woman. Listen to me really close. There is only one Jesus, and Jesus, he said, that thing that is, that's going to be born of you shall be called Emmanuel, being interpreted, is God with us? That holy thing, Jesus showed up in Bethlehem, and I'm here to tell you that there is only one Jesus. Amen. A lot of times when you read the Old Testament, they'll say the angel of the Lord. It's a theophany of God. Watch. Be careful. There's times which a the theophany is a form that God took to show himself. In a, I, got, I got to go back to this real quick. El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Aran Adonai. says is still saying same by the power of your name. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm talking about the names of God. El Shaddai. Shaddai. El. Adonai. All of those are names in the Old Testament of God. Right? Elohim. You read all of those names. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom. You go through all of these, and God revealed Himself to people through a name. Now, here's what's interesting: if you would take somebody out of one place, out of one time, and you would say, "Who was God?" Jehovah Jireh, because that's who He revealed Himself in that name. You would go to another time and say, "Who is God?" Jehovah Nissi. No, he's not. He's Jehovah Jireh. No, he's not. He's Jehovah Shalom. They could all argue and they could all be right. But there came a point when God said, I'm not going to reveal myself in part, not as provider and protector and this. He said, I'm going to reveal myself once and for all. He said, I'm going to reveal myself in a way that nobody has ever seen before. God loved man so much, he became one, and he revealed himself to his people. And the Bible says, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Woo! Some of y'all look at me like, what in the world are you talking about? Why are you so excited? Man, if you get this, you'll love Jesus. You'll love him. Amen? God reveals himself as Father in creation, as Son in redemption. This is why you got to be careful. Several years back, I couldn't believe this. How do do people get here? There was a guy running around down in Mexico, and he was saying, he's the Messiah. I'm I'm Jesus Christ. Jesus Christos. He's running around, telling him he's Jesus. And these people are following him. They're believing it. The Bible says, when one says, hey, Christ is here, hey, he's over here, he said, don't go there, don't go run into there, because I'm going to tell you this, right now, God is not revealing himself through that flesh. How do I know? That flesh died, and it ascended, and he sat down at the right hand of glory. Are you with me? Man, I hope you get this. Because this is awesome. Now, if we see God, we see God through the manifestation that he uses called the Holy Spirit. So if God's going to reveal himself to this world, it's not going to be in the body that he used back in Jerusalem. He's going to use your body through the Holy Ghost. That's why you got to know the word of God. Oh man. You should now be the word made flesh. Everybody got that? We should be the word made flesh to this world. How are we doing? How are we doing with it? How, how 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 you doing? People come to you and they say, Man, I'm I'm, I'm having this problem, I'm having that problem, I'm having that problem, and, and man, you know, I, yeah, I know. It's horrible. It's rough. These times are depressing. It's hard. It's hard away. It's hard. What? You're the. You should be the Word made flesh to these people, and they should come to you and say, "Hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I know where you need to go to get help. I know somebody that won't just patch you up or reform you. I know somebody that'll make you a whole new creature." Those old things you're dealing with, they'll pass away. All things will become new. But you've got to know the word through the Spirit to reveal to this world that there's a Savior that's still moving, that's still working, and this is the power of the sword of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. God is Spirit. He's filling all in all. That's Ephesians 1.23. can't see everywhere. Darren told me the other day that he read where a mule is so sure-footed because the way its eyes are set, it can see in front of it and its back feet. I would be so messed up. <laughs> Thank God I'm not a mule that can look straight and see my back feet all at the same time. <laughs> that is one wild animal. <laughs> That's crazy. I heard it. I talking one time about going to the eye doctor, and he said they came out with these things called he I think he called them trifocals, maybe. He said they're bifocals down here, and then they, they if you you see close right here and then you see regular and then when you look up, you can see really far off. He said, "I would be so messed up. He was like, Is that a fly on my nose? Is that a comet? <laughs> so, that pure mule." something about God you can't see it all at once except for one place we beheld the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ Jason what went on on the Mount of Transfiguration people can't hey people that don't understand this can't explain that what happened up there was God revealed what was on the inside of the body to those that were on the outside of the body and it tore him up You know what we need to do? We need to reveal to this world the truth that is in us. Put it on the outside of us. Amen? Man, how many more can I do? I got a lot. I better not. It's going to be a two-part sermon. Man, there's so many in there the agnostic, and the unbeliever want to argue about this truth. This Bible that you hold is inerrant. There are no errors in it. Men have messed it up. I don't care how many degrees John MacArthur has, he's messed it up. To to look in here and take the word and say, well, I want to teach a doctrine called the doctrine of cessation, Sam, that's not in the Bible. Listen to me really closely. If you went in a room and you gave somebody a Bible and you said, read this Bible from cover to cover, nobody is going to walk out of that room and say, yeah, that stuff ain't for the church anymore. No, they're going to have to find a book on the doctrine of cessation to inform them that that, because the Bible never puts it in there. As a matter of fact, Paul was still telling the churches to covet earnestly the best gifts. You know what we need to do this year, Jason? We need to start coveting some gifts from God so that we're not just informing people, but through the power of the Spirit and the Word, we are transforming people. Man, I got mixed up early in my Christian walk, and I thought I could talk them into being a Christian. You can't you just get frustrated and y'all' admitted the other day that y'all just wanted to shake people when they didn't repent. You ever been to a church where they drug you to the altar? You didn't come they'd come get you. they'd make you go you't have a, it wasn't like won't you come, won't you come It's like you will come. <laughs> I've seen people swat at people, push them away. Listen, this is real, man. You want them to come to the altar. You really want them to get saved. Let me tell you, the only way they're going to save is when the word and the spirit come together in one place, and God's spirit convicts them through God's truth, and they repent. Amen. Amen. Well, there, let me do this. Can I do one more? Amen. Repentance. Repentance. The Bible says, "God is not a man that he should repent." And in the same chapter, it says God repented that He made Saul king. It's in the same chapter. You think they would have changed the wording? You say, "Well, it can't be true. Can't be true. God don't repent." And then a few verses later, He's repenting. You better understand who God is. That's why you got to understand who God is. God will never repent of His character. God is who He is. Listen. God blesses righteousness, and God sends judgment to sin. Period. That will not change. Listen, that will not change. So y'all know my favorite story, one of my favorite stories. I got a bunch of favorite stories. This is one of them, top 28. God said, I'm going to destroy Nineveh. The reason God was going to destroy Nineveh, why? Because it was a great place to hang out? That's down there doing good things. I'm going to tell you why he was going to destroy it because it was wicked. Amen. Well, you know why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? There's no righteousness, it was wickedness. Let me tell you what happens with wickedness with God it's judged. Well, I just can't see that. I just don't know why loving God. I don't, I don't I'm not asking you to know why. I'm just telling you how it is. This is God, this is how He rolls. Deal with it, get with it. God's holy. God rewards righteousness, and He judges sin. He said, "Go down there and tell him I'm going to destroy an end of it." You know why God told him to destroy? Because God's holy, and He judges sin. But watch what happens. They repent, and then God repents. Did God change? No. They changed, and because they changed, God is bound. I reward righteousness. That's who He is. Once they became righteous, God didn't change. <laughs>
1: they changed. Uh, are
0: you seeing this? Will God change his mind? Yes. Will God ever go against who he is? No. Amen. Man, you know what I love when people come to you with scenarios? They say, what's the Bible say about this? And you tell them a scriptures and they say, well, I got a cousin. Let me tell you what happened to him. I know the Bible's against that, but it was written before he married that woman. She crazy. (laughs) You're going, okay, (laughs) all right. Scenario after scenario after scenario after scenario. Tell you what God will do. God's merciful. God is merciful. This is why you got to be really careful who you run down. Because you don't know when they've repented or not. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And, And man, I'm telling you, you, you'll take that and take off with it. You better be careful because so-and-so may have repented. And you're over here trying to drag stuff out from under the blood. You shouldn't be dragging out from under the blood. Let me ask you this. Raise your hand if you would like to have all of your sins drug out from underneath the blood. Raise your hand. Please tell us. Anybody? Then why in the world would I try to drag somebody else's stuff out? Even if I don't know they repented, why would I want to do that? But I don't know. So I'm not going to take the chance. Amen. When God changes his mind, he changes his mind because God is merciful and that is who he is. But listen real quick, God will always be holy, and God will always pour out judgment on the ungodly. Amen. Amen. That he will not change. That's immutable. It won't change. Who's coming to sing us a song? What time is that? Wow, this went way fast. Maybe I should go some more. <laughs> There's a lot of things in Scripture that we need to understand and be able to give an answer for. This is your sword. This is your sword. You know, what, you, know what's, you know what's rough? When you need a knife, and somebody pulls one out, and you're like, yeah. You ever been there, Jason? Hey, who's got a knife? Who's got a knife? Electricians should always have a knife. Do they? No. It's some other guy standing there. Here, I got one. And he reaches it to you, and he might as well gave you a comb. <laughs> you got that knife? Randy and you're going, which well, thing won't cut hot butter or this ain't a knife? It's just a piece of steel that folds up like I told you what why do you even carry this thing around for? why do you even have it? see if we' uh, if we understand that this word that we carry is the sword of the spirit, then it can't be dull because people need us to pull it out and the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. we can't be pulling out something and saying, oh, here it is, you know I think the Bible says something about uh uh, I said something about it. Hold on. Let me text my pastor. You better be ready. You better be ready. Listen, this year, you got a challenge on your life. You're going to lead somebody to Jesus. I don't know how to do a pep rally for this. Do you understand that you have... I, I, it's such an awesome, awesome opportunity that you can take somebody from the land of darkness and walk them through to the land of light. You can pull out your sword with the anointing of God and pull them out of the fire. Whoa! That is so awesome. What are you going to do this year? Use a few, I'm going to lose a few pounds i tell you what I might do I'm, I'm going to invest a little bit more in my 401k my boss at work Sherry, he, he, won't, he won't miss work for nothing we just rolled over to a new year I'm trying to figure out how many days I got I can use this month <laughs> for my days. <laughs> my days I'm like how many we got I mean, how, I mean do, do, can we bank them what can we do do I got any leftover from last year he, he won't he won't miss. He said, you know, I, I might not be here Friday. I said, don't. Don't come Friday. I said, listen to me, man. I, I've stood beside a lot of deathbeds. I, people have called me. I didn't even know them. One guy said he, he said, he called me and said, Hey, my dad's about to pass away. Will you come over here? I didn't know him. I got there and he introduced me to the family as his preacher. I don't, even, I don't even know your name. I stood beside his dad, and when he took his last breath, he, he talked a little bit and he, we were talking about trucks and Fords and Chevrolets and Jesus and he's getting ready to lose his life. I've never yet heard anybody say, I wish I'd have worked more. I said, Man, you're not you're not gonna be laying on your deathbed saying, man. I wish I would have worked a whole lot more. You know what I don't want us to do? Live with this regret. Man, I wish I would have led somebody to Jesus. Man, I wish I would have witnessed to somebody and led them to Jesus. Man, I'm going to keep after you. I want to challenge you. Find somebody. Send them a text. Hit them up on Facebook. Hit them up on something. Find some way. That you can reach out to them. There's people looking for somebody that's got a knife. They need something in their life cut loose. You've got to show up. Pull out that sword of the spirit and know what you're talking about. And I've sat down with people that's been in church, Thomas, 26, 28 years. I asked them things about the Bible and they didn't know. They didn't know the church is the only organization that lets you buy with that. I can only imagine. 16 years I've been in the mines. I can only imagine. They bring a guy up there and say, "Hey, Damon, can you show him how to run this thing?" I don't know. Let me let me let me find my let me find my boss. He can show you. You know they, You know what they do? I say this all the time. If you're a block layer for 40 years. And I send somebody to you and say, hey, will you show this guy how to set block? I'm not really sure I know how. What? You're fired. You are fired. We can't fire you in church. I asked somebody one time, I said, you know what? You know what? This, this pastoring thing, it's one sided. People can come to me and say, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. I'm leaving here. I don't want you to be my pastor anymore. I never get to go to them and say, hey, would you leave? I don't want to be your pastor anymore. <laughs> I'm the only one that gets hurting these people. <laughs> Preacher, we was thinking about leaving. You know, I've been thinking the same thing. It'd be good for all of us. <laughs> that ain't going to work. This can't be one-sided. You have a responsibility to make disciples out of men. That's on you. That's on you. Get them here. At least I'll make them laugh. Get them here. Man, we're going to preach them some truth. Get them here. Get him here. I want to help you. We're a team in this, right? Get them here. We're going to feed them. When you walk out of here, you may be mad today. You say, I don't even know what he was talking about. All theophany stuff, and I'm telling you, Jesus was the eternal. Stop it. If you got a question, let's talk about it. Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's talk about it. Jesus was the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We need to understand who we're talking about. Because if we understand who we're talking about, we have a greater revelation of who we're talking about, and then we have greater conviction when we're talking about it. Amen. Say amen or oh me. Hope you learned something tonight because I sure had fun yelling at you. Know the truth. Yield the sword. We're going to go through some more of these next week. I'm not done. This, this, this sword of the Spirit's going to take maybe maybe a month. Maybe a month. That's how important God's word is. You need to memorize a scripture before Sunday. One you don't know. One you don't know. You need to find a scripture that really touches your heart. Memorize it. Put it in there. The Gideon said, the Gideon said, it, it needs to be memorized, it needs to be put in your heart. We used, to, we used to meet every morning and memorize the scripture. Every single morning, Jason. I mem- Nick had me memorize the scriptures. I said, I'll never use this. I'll ne- Why am I memorizing this scripture? I need them powerful, like greater is he that's in you. Those, kind, those are preaching scriptures. <laughs> I said, I'll never use this scripture. I'll never use it. And one day I was preaching. And somehow I got on the subject of Solomon. And I said, you know what God told Solomon? Behold, I've given you a wise and understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. I said, I used that scripture. Never thought I'd have any reason to talk about Solomon's wisdom. Never thought I would. But he's talking about you have not because you ask not. Solomon asked, man, listen, right now, let's pray. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. I'm going back to my Baptist roots. That's what they used to do in the Baptist church. They'd say, No looking around, don't look around, don't look around, please don't look around. I want you right now to ask God, say, God, lead me to somebody that I can convert to you. Right now, would you pray that prayer over yourself? God, lead me. God, I'm so shy. God, I don't know what to say. You're going to, have to, you're going to have to lead me. You're going to have to speak to me. You're going to have to God. Do you understand that you're praying right now to strip somebody out of the hand of the devil? Jesus. Man, that's so powerful what you're praying right now if you're praying it. God, use me. Use me. Use me. God, let me sharpen the sword. Let me have a scripture, Lord, on my lips, in my heart that I can share with somebody. Are you praying for yourself right now? Are you asking God to guide you? We say, God, order my steps. Lord, order my steps. Order my steps. God, help me. Help me be a witness. Go ahead, Josh. He became sin.